Scripture today is Genesis 48. Sometime later, Joseph was told, Your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was told, Your son Joseph has come to you, Israel rallied his strength and sat up on the bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Now then, your two sons born to you in Egypt before I came to you here will be reckoned as mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just as Reuben and Simeon are mine. Any children born to you after them will be yours, and the territory they inherit will be reckoned under the names of their brothers. As I was returning to Paddan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan while we were still on the way, a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried her there beside the road to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, Who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, Bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again, and now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them. Ephraim on his right toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they, greatly, may they increase greatly upon the earth. When Joseph saw his father placing his right hand on Ephraim's head, he was displeased. So he took hold of his father's hand to move it, to Ephraim's head, move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to him, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He too will become a people, and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he, and his descendants will become a group of nations. He blessed them that day and said, In your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die. But God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. And to you, as one who is over your brothers, I give the ridge of land I took from the Amorites with my sword and my bow. You know something is not quite right when the speaker stands behind the podium at Cole Community Church. Jackson is out in front of the podium and and Rod likes to kind of move around on the main floor and you get Corey once in a while, and he'll go right down in the, in the group here and sit by you and throw his arm around you and, and chat with you for a while. The rest of us have enough sense to stand up here behind this bulletproof platform. 
Now, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and Jackson and, uh, and Rod are, are uh, I think they're, they're tired. They're kind of tuckered out from it all, especially working with Jacob and all of his problems. And so they're on R&R right now, and I've been given the opportunity to speak in uh, chapters 48 and 49. And Jackson said he'd be back next week to do uh, Jacob's funeral. So uh, let, let's pray. Uh, Lord, here, we're here this morning to raise you up just as, as high as we can. And for those who don't know you, we want them to see you. And so we, uh, we pray in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we recall from, from last Sunday that Jacob lived to be 147 years old and spent his last 17 years down in Egypt. And he knew the time was near. He was going to pass away. I know uh, early in my life, uh, life was a bunch of uh, goodbyes and hellos. Said goodbye to mom, went to school, said hello to my teacher and my fellow students. Uh, said goodbye to Monterey, California when it was summertime to go on vacation to Soda Springs, Idaho and said hello, Soda Springs. When I was in the Army, I said goodbye to Monterey, California and uh, said hello, Vietnam. And after 365 days, it was time to go home. And although uh, during our year there, we had one time where we could go on an R&R, rest of recuperation, where they'd fly, fly us just about any of the major cities around the east. And so we went out for a week, but we had to come back. This time we were in Vietnam uh, for our last day. We boarded that plane, and it was goodbye. We were not to return. And all of us have our goodbyes, and we have our hellos, but one of these days, we're all going to say goodbye to this life. And we're not maybe going to be quite like um, Jacob, where uh, he had his family surrounding him while he was lying in bed. Uh, but death has become relegated in our, in our age to a cold and sometimes un uncaring uh, comfort of uh, professionals in that sterile environment of a busy hospital. Uh, hospice movement has, has stepped in and helped. The hospitals have kind of improved where we can be in there with our loved ones. But even so, how seldom it is, we have the opportunity to see someone die and to be able to hear, hopefully, their final words. And even the hospitals, when they are, are clean and, and staffed by competent and caring people, when dying, there is that feeling of real loneliness. Not the right place to be. Joe Bailey writes in his book, The Last Thing We Talk About, about death. And uh, he had a lot of members of his family die. He had three young children die. And so he has a lot to say about it. And I want to read what he says in his book here about, about death. One of my early memories is, is being led into my grandmother's room in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, to give her a final kiss. That scene impresses me today with its Old Testament quality. Grandma, an imposing person, was conscious, slightly raised, her white hair braided and carefully arranged on the quilt that she made as a young woman. The bed was the one in which she had slept for 50 years, in which her four children had been conceived and born. The wide-boarded floor creaked its familiar creak, the kerosene lamp flickered on the massive bureau. The bouquet of sweet peas from Grandma's garden made the room faintly fragrant. 
The old lady was surrounded by her children and grandchildren. In a few hours, she died. Forty years later, my children were with their grandfather when he had his last heart attack. We gave him oxygen, called the doctor, and the ambulance came. The men put Grandpa on a stretcher, carried him out of the house, and he was, was the last his, his grandchildren saw of him. In the intensive care unit of the hospital, my wife and I were with him until the visiting hours were over. The mechanics of survival, tubes, needles, oxygen system, electronic pacemaker, were in him, on him, and around him. Grandpa died alone at night after visiting hours. His grandsons had no chance to give him a final kiss, to feel the pressure of his hand on their heads. In this generation, he says, death has moved out of the home and into the hospital. You know, today we act like uh, there's no such thing as death. Somehow we feel like the medical professionals are going to give us another month, another year or longer to live. We're supposed to fight to the finish. To say goodbye is to give up, and Americans don't give up. And so we fail to really say goodbye. What would your last words be like in your last hours? How do you want to be remembered? Uh, my, uh, my son, when he was in college, called me one evening, and he said, Dad, I have to do a report, and uh, I have to interview an, an old person. And uh, you, you qualify. And of all the questions he asked, which I was able to answer rather quickly, was the one question, how do you want to be remembered? And it, it, it had me uh, pause for a minute to, to really think that through. How do I want to be remembered? And uh, this morning we're going to look at Jacob <clears throat> and his final words. And I want you to keep in mind that we're, we're always sending a message in life. We're always saying goodbye. And even if we don't have those last few hours with our loved ones to say goodbye, we have already said it. And in these two passages, chapter 48 and 49, we're going to see two parts. One part is Jacob that was read earlier, speaks to Joseph and his two sons. And then in chapter 49, uh, he's going to speak to the entire family, all 12 sons, in order. And Jacob's bedroom scene uh, is, is he's going to model for us two lifestyle behaviors for saying goodbye. And even though he's saying these things right at the end of his life, we have a chance throughout our entire life uh, to practice these lifestyle behaviors as we, we leave a message with our life. And that first one is to list our blessings from God. To list our blessings from God. Watch what he says in verse 3. And then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous. I will make you a company of peoples and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. So God has blessed me, sons, to make you numerous and to put you in the land. And also in verses 15 and 16 in that same chapter, when uh, 
he's uh, calling upon his God and he's about to bless the sons. And he says, uh, the God before whom my, my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. This is verse 15 in the middle now. God, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this day. He's saying, this is the one that I'm calling upon for this blessing. He was the one that shepherded me all throughout my life. When he was in Luz, he says, you're going to go back to the homeland and you're, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to bring you back to this land and I'm going to give this land to your children. And he was my shepherd during all that time. And we know as we've gone through this book what Jacob's life was like. He failed as a brother. He failed, for the most part, as a husband. He failed in many ways as a father. And yet Jacob stands here in front of his sons and he says, But God was my shepherd. It's like that little sheep goes off and he gets tangled up. He gets lost. He's on his way. He's only thinking of what he can get. And Jacob's life was like that, and our life is much like that. And yet God was his shepherd. God stayed right there and took care of him. In verse 16, he is the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. He refers to God. In that time he had that battle, that wrestling match, when God uh, made himself physical and had a, had, a, had a tug of war with Jacob. And he turned him around and called his name uh, Israel, one who strives after me. And so God had blessed Jacob, and he, he, he lists those blessings. And so we have that same opportunity to list, list blessings uh, in our life. There are those times um, when, uh, as we get older, that uh, we're going to have to, hopefully, to share with, with someone else. Um, maybe we'll experience sudden death. Maybe uh, we'll be uh, loaded with tubes in our bodies. Uh, maybe our loved ones will be out of town. Maybe we'll uh, be unconscious. We don't know. But really, now is the time to share uh, our, our blessings, especially those who are on the uh, caboose of life, like myself. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but God wants us to share with our loved ones and, and just people that we come in contact with from time to time how God has blessed us. Uh, we can think of, obviously, Eternal life. All the blessings in Scripture that he speaks that we're going to receive because we belong to him. But it's also those little tiny things in life that happen every day. And those of us who are older have a lot of years that we can look back just like Jacob said, yeah, he took care of me and this is how he did it. And we can share those things, especially with our children. And you... You people that are like me, I don't have any grand... I don't even... Well, I don't have any grandchildren yet or any great-grandchildren. But as they come... If God gives me enough years, I want to be able to share more and more of those blessings that God has, has put upon me. I mean, my abilities. What are your abilities? Are some of you musically talented? God gave you that. What about the friends you've had in your life? The children you've had? The mate that God gave you? He gave you eyes to see. He gave us ears to hear. And when our eyes went bad, He gave us cataract surgery for our eyes. And when our ears went bad, he gave us hearing aids. And when our feet went bad, he gave us a wheelchair. And then he gave us somebody to push that wheelchair. The blessings are, 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 are uh, uh, innumerable if we'll stop and think about what they are. And one of the best ways you can share blessings with people is not to try to corner them and say, okay, now sit there quietly while I share these blessings with you. One of the best ways to do it 
is to speak to another adult when teenagers and younger children are around or other people who can eavesdrop on you. Because when we eavesdrop, our ears get as big as this auditorium. And so talk that way and let them hear, and they will take it in. I used to love that one when we were uh, living up in Moscow, Idaho, and our, our uh, friends would come over, and we'd begin to talk, and our children, even teenagers at times, would sit there and listen to us. And I, I was aware of that, and I didn't want to turn and look at them. I wanted to focus on what God was doing in our lives and the people that were there visiting us. And they were listening, and they'd, they'd sit there sometimes for an hour or more, and I'm wondering, why don't they go downtown, or excuse me, downstairs, and play the video games like they usually do? So that's one way uh, we can do it, is keep, keep uh, our conversation in line with talking about the blessings of God. And some of uh, you younger people now, I'm talking to you too, because you're going to be as old as me before you can say, Ferrisassimus, Jigafax, Sexinitas, Nainai, Puggers, Nuflu, Krakumstike. I guarantee it. God said that our life is like a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. Just last week, I was 15 years old. It's hard to believe, but, but time really flies. And so you have that opportunity to, like a lot of us, we fail in a lot of ways. You're going to fail in a lot of ways in raising your children or ministering to the people God puts, puts in your life too. But you young people... You have that opportunity to share these experiences when your children are younger. Uh, don't leave Jesus in Sunday school. Don't leave Jesus in the Bible. If Jesus is in your heart and in your life, they need to be seeing that and hearing that every day in one form or another. You know, I used to, and uh, I had my kids, used to tell a lot of stories and make up stories, but... Uh, uh, as my wife would read a lot of stories to our children. But uh, we had two boys in one room and two girls in the other room, and they were in their bunk beds. And uh, I finally got the, the crazy idea of going down there and telling them the story of my girlfriends. And my first girlfriend was Jan. And, and uh, I was five, she was four. <laughs> and my, my parents had gotten acquainted with her parents, and so we went down to their house about four blocks away, and... And uh, Jan and I were out, and there was this cot in the backyard, and then there was this canopy over the cot. And we learned how to kiss. <laughs> and so we knew we were going to get married someday. And then about six months later, Jan Sturdivant's parents decided to move to um, you know, somewhere in central California. And so we had to cancel our, our wedding plans. When you go down through the, all of my, 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 the, the girls that I liked or the girls that liked me that I didn't like, and I was telling them these stories, and then I became a Christian when I was in college, and it changed everything. And I wanted a girl that loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I asked the Lord for that girl. Well, I had a, about three girlfriends after that, about a three-year period that I had left in college at that time. And so I told them about, about those girlfriends, and then I said, Then God blessed me with your mother. And all of those girls from Jan all the way up to the, to the last one before your mom came, they were all used to prepare me for God's special blessing. Share those stories with your kids. Share the story that how you almost got in an accident or how you almost died from one thing or another. Share those stories. God is constantly 
blessing us. That's the first lifestyle behavior. The second lifestyle behavior he has for us is to bless our listeners for God. Let's be blessing our listeners. Rod talked about that somewhat last week. And uh, you got to realize here now, and, and, and i got to apologize because I have a problem with, um, with saying God bless you. And so when we talk about blessing our listeners, that doesn't mean running around screaming, well, God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you, and all those kind of God bless you things. I mean, you can say that. It's very hard for me. I said it once about 15 years ago, and then I stopped and said, why did I say that? And it's because I think in the early stages of my Christian life, when I was about two weeks old in the Lord, and I was going to Idaho State University in Pocatello, and during the summers I worked in Soda Springs and lived with my two uncles that had a ranch there. And uh, I'd go down about once every three or four uh, weeks from Pocatello to see them and spend the weekend there. And I, I was, like I say, two weeks old in the Lord. I didn't know Jesus from the hole in the ground before I found Christ. And so when I walked into their house that night, the local reverend was there. And he was about to leave, and so I, uh, I had to stop him and share this fantastic thing that I had become a Christian. I wasn't a church person. I found Christ. And I kind of explained it to him. And <laughs> he looked at me like I had purple hair and a, and a green face, and I just flew in from Mars. And I, I couldn't believe it that the guy didn't know what to say. And he kind of walked away from me and... And he said, well, God bless you, and he walked out of the house. Of course God blessed me. God gave me his son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, I, I think I found that I was frustrated with that God bless you statement at that point. I, you know, when you're in a public place and you cough, there's usually someone down a few rows that says, uh, bless you. Well, say, God bless you. No, it, bless you. And uh, I, I've thought many times, about um, for the 14th century when the Black Plague struck Europe and some 25 million people died. And if you got the Black Plague, if you got, if you got the plague, uh, you had about a 5% chance of survival. 95% of the people died from it. And so when you coughed, people would say, uh, God bless you, and they meant it. It's like Rod said last week in the ancient times when they said, bless you, they were serious. And... Uh, I find it's just been uh, casually stated, and I, I suppose it's, it's best if you're around me, just say, Kazunheit. You know, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that. I have a hard time with <clears throat> So what does it mean to bless someone? My first year with a, a Greek teacher out at Multnomah School of the Bible, he was uh, a real grisly old guy, and everybody was afraid of him. And by the way, we have a, a Greek class here that Josh Kramer teaches, and uh, he's not a grizzly old guy. He's, uh, he's more of a um, stuffed animal. You know, he, he'll, he'll be real kind to you. He'll make Greek enjoyable, as enjoyable as it, it can be. But this old grizzly teacher once asked us, what does it mean to bless someone? And everybody was afraid to answer him because he was too scary. But it made me think. And, and he, said, he said, I don't know what it means. And he kind of left it up in the air. And so I, I've been thinking about that for years. What does it mean? To bless someone. What does the word blessing mean? And so I discovered in the Old Testament there are two primary words. In the New Testament there are two primary words. And you kind of put it all together. And it basically means to speak well or act well towards someone or something. 
to speak well or to act well. So you can say some kind word. You can write uh, an encouraging letter. You can smile at someone. It could be a blessing. You could give them a gift. I had a person one time just touch me on the shoulder from behind that had a message of blessing from God. There's different ways we can bless. And so Jacob is going to do that now through the rest of this uh, section. And I'm really synthesizing all of this. But uh, there are reasons for giving blessings, or we won't give them. And the first reason is to bless someone for a good reason. Watch what he does here in in, uh, verse 5. And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and, and Simeon are mine. So Reuben and Simeon are the first two sons of Jacob. He says, okay, now Joseph, your two sons are going to be just like that. They're going to be blessed in the land with a, a, a special property that, that their descendants are going to live in. And we're thinking, now, why did Jacob bless Joseph in this way? Reuben was the one who was supposed to get the double blessing as the oldest son. But he didn't give it to him. Did he give it to Joseph because he was his favorite son? I don't think so. He gave it to him because Joseph was a righteous man. And we see that when we get into chapter 49, and all the the blessings that Jacob gives his children are based upon their character and their behavior. Uh, we see that in the Old Testament when God uh, spoke through Moses and he gave the law and he says, I'm going to bless you, you, you Israelites, if you follow my teachings. If you don't, I'm going to curse you. And here Joseph was the righteous one. And so he blessed him because of his righteous life. And we can do the same thing. We can look at our children and watch their good behavior. We can have the people that God puts in our life. We say, ah, I'm going to bless that person. Why? For good reason. Because they have just sacrificed themselves. They've devoted themselves in love toward this person. or that. They've just given in this. And so we can identify those people in our life and we can bless them with good words, maybe a gift, whatever. There is that opportunity. I, when I was in, uh, at Multnomah in my, my years of schooling and then on to the, the seminary there, um, I used to paint during the summers to make a living so I could pay my bills. And, and there was this guy I came, became acquainted with, and I said, why don't you paint with me? And at that time, he was working in a garage uh, or a gas station for $1.25 an hour. And I said, well, I can guarantee you five bucks an hour. Five bucks an hour? Let's do it. And so he became my partner, and we painted for about four years together. And by the end of the year, we were making $10 an hour. And by the end of the next summer... We were making almost $20 an hour, and he thought I was the most wonderful guy in the world to bring him on. Later on, he ended up, after all of our schooling, he ended up in Texas, and he was working on his Ph.D., and he dropped the Ph.D. because he wanted to be a full-time painter because he could make more money than he could getting his Ph.D. (laughs) And and he became quite well off, and so he called me one day in the late 90s, and he said, "Uh, how would you and your wife like to go to the Bahamas with us? He and his wife. So he took us to the Bahamas and to the uh, Florida Keys. We were gone 10 to 12 days. What a tremendous blessing from God. And he did it because I had the opportunity to minister to him and give him something uh, that uh, he appreciated. And so he responded with a blessing for good reasons. So we all have that opportunity, whatever, whatever you have, whatever way you can, you can minister through letters of caring about one another uh, and demonstrating 
your, your appreciation for something someone else has done. Uh, you can, uh, if you have a pocket full of money, just dig down in there and grab that and say, I'm going to give this as a gift to somebody because they've been living for Christ, because they did this or that that I appreciate and has honored God. Um, so we, we, we bless people for good reason. We also bless people for no reason. No reason in the sense that they've done something that requires some kind of a gift or a blessing. We give for no reason. And in that, verses 8 through the end of chapter 48, we see, as it was read earlier, this situation where Jacob is now ready to bless Joseph's two sons, and so he says, bring them in. Joseph brings them in, and he's holding, he's holding Manasseh in, on, on the, his, in his left hand and Ephraim on his right hand. So when they get up to, to Jacob, as Jacob kind of pulls out of bed, and he's because he's just about dead, this guy, and he's, he's holding on to his staff because he wants to bless them standing up. And they come to him so that, as Joseph presents them, so that when Jacob puts his hand on them, he's got his right hand of honor, the greatest blessing, going on Manasseh, the oldest son. But he switches, and he puts his, his right hand on Ephraim, and he blesses them. And then Joseph says, what are you doing? Where are your glasses? Somebody, find Jacob's glasses. He's made a mistake here. He's blessing the wrong person. He's not blessing the oldest one with the greatest blessing. It doesn't appear that there is any reason why Jacob blessed Ephraim over Manasseh. Remember, he deceived his father Isaac so that he would get the blessing. And it probably has something to do with that. But as far as... Ephraim and Manasseh, he didn't even know those two kids. This was the first time he met them. There was no indication that there was a reason to bless Ephraim over Manasseh. He just blessed them. And we know God, God is, is part of that. God has, uh, um, um, has, has influenced him to do that. But uh, we were blessed in the same way. There was no reason that God should give us eternal life. We haven't done anything. We were lost in our sins. We were enemies with God, as Paul says in the book to the Ephesians. And yet he blessed us anyway. And so we have that opportunity to also bless those people in our life, even when they don't deserve it, for no particular reason. They might not be Christians. They might be be our children. They might not be our children. But we can bless them just because... We have been blessed by God, not because of anything that they have done. My wife uh, has been a a tremendous example of that compared to myself. Uh, We've been married for 39 years, and she has uh, three siblings. Well, two of those siblings don't know the Lord. And every year for Christmas, she goes out and she buys her siblings and their children gifts. Even when we don't have any money, she does that. And then when it's their birthday, she sends them a birthday card. And for years I fought that because we just really couldn't afford to do that. And uh, I would get after her and say, now look, you send them gifts, they don't send you anything. They don't even send you a thank you note. As far as I'm concerned, off with their heads! Uh, Sounds like the voice of the devil. (laughs) But my wife says, no, 
I'm going to bless them whether they like it or not. And that's what the Lord wants me to do. And so we, we can and we should bless people, just like God has, has blessed us, by a good word to them, a kind act uh, for them. And it's like Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount. You're the light of the world, so let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify God. It's all for the glory of God. It's not for, it's not for our glory. So we bless for good reason, we bless for no reason, and to finish this off in chapter 49, we bless for prophetic reason. There's a prophecy going on here. When Jacob goes through the sons, and I can't begin to go through all of these, but he goes through his sons in order, and he's going to prophesy as to what's going to happen to these sons' descendants, the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren who are going to enter the land and be blessed with these different portions of land and all these numbers. And he's going to do that based upon their character and their behavior. Now, a lot of these sons, we don't know much about them. Issachar, uh, Asher, Naphtali, there isn't much said about them in the history as we've studied through the book of, of Genesis. But some we do know. And he starts right off and he tells us so. Reuben, look in verse 4 of chapter 49 when he's, when he's blessing Reuben. There doesn't seem to be any kind of a blessing here. It seems to be more of a curse or he's a lack of, of blessing. He says, uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. He had committed uh, adultery. He was, he was a, a lustful man and a prideful man. And so uh, he was not going to be blessed as he should have been blessed. He was not going to receive the, uh, the, the preeminence, which was really due him because he was the oldest son. He was supposed to be the leader. And God says, no, you're not going to get that leadership. He gives it to Judah later on. Look at uh, Simeon and Levi. Both of them had gone in and, and slaughtered the, uh, the, the Shechemites, uh, the men there. And uh, he says in, in the middle of verse 6, he says, Because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. It will, it will disperse them into, I, will, I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. These kids didn't deserve, didn't deserve uh, that extra blessing. Even though they were blessed, they were not uh, blessed to the fullest extent. If you want to go to a nice, sweet blessing, you go to Deuteronomy chapter 33, where Moses blesses these, these uh, children that are about to enter the land, and he has a lot of sweet things to say about the sons of Israel and their descendants. But not Jacob. And you would think Jacob would go, oh, I've got to say some nice things to my kids here. No, he goes according to God's word. He's going, to, he's going to bless them by speaking the truth of God's Word. Now, what happened to those first three sons that I just mentioned? Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. When you go to the back of your Bibles and you look at the map there and where the twelve tribes ended, on the east side of the Dead Sea is where Reuben ended up, right next to the Moabites, the enemies. Simeon ended up south uh, uh, Beersheba and south of there, uh, next to the Edomites. And what happened to Levi? Well, he, was, he didn't even get any land. He's going to be of the priestly order. They're going to be scattered all over the place. And so they lost an opportunity uh, for their great, 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 great grandchildren because of their behavior. 
But then there's the other side, and that's Judah, and I'm not going to have time to... This is a fantastic passage from verse 8 through 12, and I'm sorry there's too much into this, but uh, uh, basically Judah is going to get this abundance of blessing, prosperity, the rule of the, of the, of the Israelites is going to come through Judah. And uh, he, 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 uh, he uses some hyperbole here, some real exaggeration to talk about this blessing. It's just really exciting if you, when you read through that. And he talks about him being a, a lion that is just um, uh, laid down uh, after a nice meal. He ate a gazelle or something, and he's just really content. And that's how Judah and his descendants will be. Um, they have so much, there's so much wine that they're actually washing their clothes with the wine. Uh, he, he says they're drinking so much milk, they have so much milk, the goats are just, just in abundance that their teeth are pearly white. He says, this is how I'm going to bless the nation until Shiloh comes. And in him shall be the obedience of the people, which is Jesus Christ. And the Israelites were pushed out of their land when Shiloh came, when Christ came. And the temple was destroyed. And they've been out of there for 1,900 years until more recently coming back in in 1948. So for 62 years now, they're back in the land. But Shiloh has not come back. And so that rule and authority will not really take place until Shiloh comes back, until Jesus comes back and reigns. So here what we have is Israel, Israel's prophetic blessing, uh, which included the reality of uh, consequences of not living according to God's will, as well as the benefits. Now, making that practical, how do we practice that prophetic reason, blessing for a prophetic reason? It's by speaking the truth of God's word. We bless our listeners. And I'm going to give you an example of that because I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of bless you right now, okay? I'm going to bless you with God's Word. And some of it might hurt, and then some of it might feel pretty good. Husbands, we are supposed to love our wives like Christ loved the church. If we are not sacrificing for them, if we are not tr- listening to them, if we're not trying to understand them, we're going to suffer the consequences. For all of us, when we don't forgive people, for their offense against us, that offense eats away at our spirit. That's what happens when we don't follow God's clear instructions. Whether we're Christians or non-Christians, that's just going to happen. When a person does not receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, he's going to be separated from God for eternity. That is a blessing to hear that, because it's the truth. Harry Ironside was... uh, a great preacher in the early 1900s. And his dad died when he was just a tyke, and he had a brother. And mom had to take care of those two kids. And there was these two missionary men would come by once or twice a year to see how she was doing. And when they would come in to little Harry, they'd say, well, Harry, have you received... He's five years old now. Have you received Jesus Christ yet? Or are you still going to hell? And uh, little Harry, when he knew those men were coming, he'd go hide. But eventually, he had to come out for dinner. And they'd catch him at the table every time. Well, how you doing, Harry? You're 10 years old. Are you still going to hell? Finally, when Harry was 16 years old, he gave his life to Christ in a, in a service where Dwight L. Moody was preaching. God had touched his heart, turned him around, and he said, You know, those old men, they scared me to death. But he said, They spoke the truth, and that truth was always there talking to me. And so when that grace of God was really understood and I received Christ, he says, I have to go back and say it was a blessing to have those men in my life because they prepared the way. Now, 
I'm not suggesting you run around and tell all your non-Christian friends that they're going to hell. But you might have that opportunity and you use a little discretion and you, you, you might have to share that with some people. It will be a blessing even though you might be re- regarded as a religious bigot. That's okay. You're blessing them with the truth. Now, on the other hand, we're talking about the negatives a little bit there, the consequences. But then the, the positive is, 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 husbands, if you love your wife, if you're practicing that, that sacrifice and listening to them and trying to understand them and working with them, if you're doing that, your life will become more and more blessed in a marriage like God intended. And it's hard work and we're constantly failing. Your, my wife could come up here and have a long list of how I fail. But I have to be working at it to some degree in order for our relationship. And she has to do the same on her part. And also that when we forgive people, we can experience that peace that passes all understanding. And that's what we love is that peace of heart, not that tension in our lives. And when we share Jesus Christ with people and they come to Christ or others, or even after they're already in Christ, as we share with one another what, what a glorious uh, uh, future we have with God and all the blessings that, that, get, that he promises is in his kingdom. And we, we look at the prophets and even John at the end in the book of Revelation, and he talks about the, uh, the different prophets, and they talk about the golden streets in, in, in God's uh, new heaven. And he talks about the, that one big, well, there's 12 pearly gates going into the game. They're one big pearl, beautiful pearl. And he uses these phys- the physical realm to, to express the spiritual realm, to say, wow, that's going to be terrific. But I really love Paul, and I'm going to end with this. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in three different passages quickly. He says in Romans 8:18, 8, I consider the sufferings of this present time, this present life, not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. So, hey, we're going through some tough times, let's say. Now, we're not going through, I mean, you're going through your individual tough times, but no matter how tough they are, you can't even begin to compare those to, to the glory, the opposite of that. And then 2 Corinthians 4.17, he says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I had a group once, I said, you tell me what's great in life. You tell me what's fantastic in life. No matter what you tell me, it can't even begin to compare to how great the glory is going to be with our Lord. And then in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, Paul caught up, he was caught up in the paradise and he heard inexpressible words that he is not permitted to speak because we wouldn't understand. What a glory that is to just begin to think about. There are two lifestyle, two lifestyle models that, 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 he, that Jacob gives us here for saying goodbye. And that's listing our blessings from God and blessing our listeners for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that um, you are always blessing us, but we're not in the, in the business or accustomed to be counting those blessings. Like that song says, count your blessing, count them one by one. We need to be counting them and listing them to the people that are in our presence. Just uh, as, 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 we say, as we say the blessing at the meal, we can do more by speaking of the blessings in our life in addition to that. And, and for us to be a blessing to others for your glory. We thank you for that opportunity in Christ's name. Amen.